We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Coming at you on a Wednesday, uh, a game night, of course. Uh, Knicks are in Miami as they continue their um, road trip. Uh, first of a few stints that they're going to be spending on the road over the next month or so. Uh, we'll see if things will turn around from uh, what was a uh, somewhat frustrating game in Cleveland. Um, who knows? Uh, I brought on today someone that I have been very excited to, um, or I've been looking forward to talking to again. I, we talked, we're going to, we're going to make this a regular thing. Um, I talked to him a few weeks ago, uh, Ben Ridholtz, who's been doing the Knicks film school film threads after every game. Uh, we got into a lot of nitty gritty stuff about what is happening with Julius Randall, why is Julius Randall? How is Julius Randall? Where is Julius Randall? All of all of the questions. Um, and we attempted to get inside the mind of Tom Thibodeau, which was, um, of course, fun. So any thoughts that you've been having lately about um, Tibbs, about Randall, about what should happen, about what will happen, about why things are or are not happening? I think you will appreciate this conversation. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, as a reminder, uh, we will be going live after the Heat game, as we do for uh, every game um, on the Knicks Film School YouTube channel. So check us out there. And if you enjoy the pod, feel free, drop a uh, five-star rating, leave us a review. Those things help us out a lot. And obviously, if you're not subscribed, uh, feel free to subscribe. All right. That's it for me. On uh, that note, here's my conversation with Ben Ritholtz. 
Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, it's always fun to welcome a member of the KFS family in to chat about a basketball team that is just just nothing but sunshine and rainbows. Well, no, it wouldn't be sunshine and rainbows. It's either right. You can, can you have no? You can have sunshine and a rainbow, right? You normally do have sunshine and a rainbow. Post rain, clouds part. There's the rainbow. Yeah, that's it. Because okay, so it's so you've been through the rain. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But we, so we are. Yeah, we. It's just sunshine, rainbows, uh, gumdrops, candy cane, uh, unicorns, uh, all all of the all of the magical, mystical, wonderful things. Um, Ben Riddles of KFS and the Strickland. Hello, sir. How are you? Great, great. Glad to be on and on this uh, on this prestigious occasion following a wonderful loss. So thanks, thanks for that. I was I have uh, I have some some uh, apartment neighbors that were over before, and they like it's since we've become friends, they like pay attention to like whether the team wins or loses. And they were like, "Yeah, I saw you guys just just lost the other night," and I was trying to say like. Like is how do you define like the the worst loss of this? Is the worst loss of the season to you like the Denver game, or is the worst loss of the season to you like you know the Cleveland game? I don't even know where I stand. For me, it's Cleveland. For okay, me it's, Cleveland. it's one thing to be overmatched, and like every time the lack of effort it, doesn't doesn't bug you. Like to me, when I that was the only time I saw, I felt like the team just like st- stopped giving a shit, but. Yeah, no, it does. It does. But I think that sometimes comes from over getting overmatched. That's, like when Jokic yeah. is just looking you off and you're chasing ghosts for the first 10 minutes of the game. It, they were uh, chasing ghosts. It can, it can really kind of, kind of take away your effort pretty quickly. This is the kind of game like, like I'm generally pretty, pretty um, even keeled when it comes to like understanding that the other team has coaches too. The other team has probably on more occasions than not. The other team has more talent than the Knicks do. Um, in this what? game, I'm sorry. What? What did you just say? The other well, team has coaches and talent. Yeah, believe that. Or, yeah, believe it or not. I'm gonna. Uh, ha- this might not be always, fake. Is always only the Knicks' fault. That but, might. Be, I feel like that's fake news. I'm gonna have to ask Andrew to fact check. We may have to edit this out but, of the pod later. But anyway, yeah. I mean, you watched that game. Cleveland didn't play a good game. In fact, yeah. Cleveland played a very bad game, and they weren't healthy. But like Garland was terrible, turning the ball over, couldn't really get downhill. I mean, the Knicks take seventeen turnovers through. I, I I marked it down. Seventeen turnovers through twenty eight minutes of action. Cleveland had. Yeah, and I think they're solid defensively, and they get some of the credit. Mobley's really good as a rim protector, even when Allen's out. Um, so you know their defense is good, but like, and it's one of the best in the league for a reason. But um, well, it's. I don't know exactly how many games Jared Allen has played this season, but I, I'm pretty sure he's played most of them. So, yeah. like, we, we listen, we have to put it into context. Like, missing that dude and replacing him with essentially, essentially Kevin Love and Dean Wade, right? Or, well, no, Evan it, it, Turner played. Dean started. Yeah. Who's not really, you know, he's a fringe NBA player at this point. So. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but, but, no, but you know what? You know what? But we'll get obviously this is going to be a lot about random, but what 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 struck me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this from that game was the third quarter when 
there was a stretch of four or so minutes where it was like, okay, the way Cleveland is playing and the way New York and, and what New York is able to do, this is the part of the game where the Knicks should take a 15 point lead. And because the Knicks are, there is something a little off and we'll, we'll talk about some of the things that may be off. They were not able to do that. I think they got up to a four point lead. And then you saw a team come out and respond as every NBA team does. There's always, there's always going to be a punch and there's always going to be a counterpunch. It's how good is your punch and how good is the counterpunch and Cleveland's counterpunch result that resulted in them taking a 15 point lead because they are so secure in what they do. And they are so confident and they are so like they execute, they have a game plan. It doesn't matter if you're, you're all-star. He's probably gonna make an all-star team. Jared Allen's not there. That's okay. Next guy. We'll figure it out. And like, I don't want to hear that. It was Kevin Love hitting shots. Like, that is a that is a team that has their shit together and the Knicks are not. Yeah, and it was a combination of missed free throws, which are becoming an infuriating trend. Yes. Because uh, they, they, they should have been up 7-8. Noel missed two, Barrett missed one, Randall missed one, all in that same stretch. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it's the turnovers, and then it's the bad shots that lead to transition. Uh, that seem like they're happening at the worst times in every game where like they'll take a contested three front rim, big bounce off Julius doesn't get back or, or tries to get a steal on the pass and Mobley's out for a, for a leak out dunk. Uh, the transition defense was atrocious all night. Cleveland really couldn't score in the half court. They were turning the ball over on like half their half court possessions and New York's transition defense. And like, I, I, I threaded about it today. It's not like just a matter of running back. It's, the fundamentals are terrible. It's just like guys crashing from the top of the key when nobody else is back on defense. Um, guys, not not the guys that are the high men when the when the shot goes up, not getting back to get to to recover to the guy leaking out like like basics, not picking up, not matching up, not communicating, like all of that stuff. And that's been a year long thing that I think has been an underrated part of the the regression defensively for this team. It's just such a poor defensive effort on transition pretty much on a nightly basis, and it's killing them because their half-court defense has kind of gotten it together. It's kind of been an underrated story here in the last 20 games. The They're the good in third best defense in the league over the last like 15 or 16 games. It's crazy. Yeah, they've, they've I know some of the opponents. Once again, nobody scores in the paint on them. They have they have, mm-hmm. they have one of the best free, you know field goal percentages in the paint in the league. They still give up a ton of threes, um, but the percentages have kind of Kind of come back to earth a little bit so that it hasn't killed them as much. And it feels and like the contests have been there more than yeah, the, the rotations yeah. have been better, a little For cleaner. Sure. But like they just do some of these boneheaded things at, at at like key points in games, and it's just yeah, it's hard to. And yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them surround Julius Randall. Unfortunately, I was going I would talk about I don't know about great minds. Uh, crazy minds, stupid minds for for <laughs> choosing to give this much thought and attention to this stupid fucking team. Um, I was I was I was gonna say like at some point we do need to say his name. Um, when you said the the high man not getting back, you know what you know what makes it truly infuriating. And I think you I clipped it in the newsletter, and then you clipped it in. Uh, I think you were quote tweeting Tom. Um, the Randall, what was the nonsense? A step back. Throw off the dribble three there in the I was it the third quarter. Yeah, it was a nice stretch. Yeah, you know what makes it you know what makes it so great, the half-hearted swipe that 
has never worked in the history of basketball. And that's your excuse, Julius Randle. I'm not getting, no, I'm not getting back because I made my effort over here. That's why I'm not getting back. I tried to, to prevent the Yeah. Cause that's ever going to work. How about you hustle your, your ass back and actually try to make a play on the ball? Like it just. And the craziest thing about that shot is like, they, I, I, I text, I, I tweeted during the game. Cleveland was, was very happy for him to shoot threes. Uh, more so, and that's been happening increasingly as the season's gone on because he hasn't shot it well. But Cleveland was like Mobley was a aggressively, aggressively in the paint when they ran pick and pop with Julius. He could get that shot whenever he wants on a pick and pop. You know what? You don't have to shoot a step back over a seven footer in a key point of the game. Like the shot's there for you when you need it, when you want it, and you made a couple on just like simple pick and pop where Mobley didn't get out. Why on the first pass on a, on a horn set? instead of going to a DHO with Fournier or trying to make something happen, are you taking a step back three? Like what is your percentage on step back threes this year? How is that a good shot anymore? It's, it's just, it's so, some of the decisions he's making are absolutely <laughs> maddening. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you intended for this to be a transition into our conversation today, but it is a perfect transition because so what we're going to talk about today is basically Let's pretend we're Tibbs. And if we want, maybe we can pretend we're the front office. I don't know. We're, we're going to go in a few different directions and we'll, we'll see where it gets us. And like, basically, what do you what do you do? And I think you have to start with the understanding that you have a player on your hands who we are uh, 48 games into the season now, and he is shooting 31% from three. Okay. Now, I'm not going to say this is exclusive of everybody in the league, but for the most part, like, so if you're a 31% shooter, like it's one. Okay. If you're Dame Lillard and you're shooting 31% from three, 48, 48 games through the season, it's like, okay, maybe you get a pass to keep shooting those shots. I'm like, how many guys were there really on that list? I mean, we, we, we could rattle off the names, right? If you're if you're someone who has a before last year had a has a career mark of whatever the hell his career mark was before last year on under 30%, right? Um and then you had this crazy season, which by the way, the season the foundation of last season, unless and correct me if I'm wrong, was built on teams just initially not guarding him, right? And he had just open looks and he's like, All right, well, if you're gonna leave me open, I'm gonna shoot it. And he hit enough of them. And then towards the end of the season, he started to get a little fancier. Like if you're that dude and you can't accept the fact that like you're like, if you, if that is your percentage, your role in the NBA is if, okay, if you're open, if a team leaves you open and you have an open shot, yes, occasionally you need to fire away. Although I'm not even convinced that that's always the best shot. Or like you said, the occasional pick and pop for you to be taking that shot during a critical stretch of the game. When you have other talented offensive players on the floor with you, like if we're going to try to put ourselves in Tibbs mindset about what do you do with this guy? I think we at least have to start with, well, what, where is Randall's head at right now? Like, how do you handle a player that has that much of a lack of awareness as to what is, I don't know how else to say, what is reality? I, am I wrong here? No, you're not wrong. And I think he has, there have been times this season where I think he has made the adjustment, at least in terms of shot selection and in terms of what shots he's taking and the, and the, the frequency of shots he's taking in different areas of the floor reflect that. I mean, he is taking less mid-range shots this year. He is taking more shots up the rim this year. The threes are about even, I think, if, if last time I checked. 
Um, but he has cut back a little bit on the tough mid-range shots, which credit to him, I suppose. Um, but there is a disconnect. And there's also the structural problem, which is that if he's not a shooter, and he was last year, and if he's not a shooter from anywhere outside of the paint, then you have, again, a very, very poorly spaced NBA basketball team because you already are playing a Mitchell Robinson or a Nerlens Noel who provide nothing. Is it is it bad to have two non-shooters on the floor at the same time? I'm, I'm, not ideal. Uh, <laughs> Newsflash. Is there data great. to back this up? I'm sorry. I need, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you look at any, uh, you, you know, you look at teams that have, it's kind of rare now to build around a power forward. Um, there aren't that many teams that do it, but you look at the teams that do in Milwaukee with Giannis. Um, there's a reason that they always get stretch fives, right? Yeah. They only play stretch fives at center if they play a center at all. Other, uh, if Giannis is at center, great. If not, it's Brook Lopez or it's Bobby or, or it's Bobby Portis. We're both, you know, at least good or decent three point shooters that can spread the floor around him and he can roll with effectiveness. But Julius can't just be a roller. There's not enough room out there for him to just be a roller. You want him to be New Orleans Julius now? Well, you don't have the personnel to do that because in, in New Orleans, he was a center. He played a lot of center next to Anthony Davis. So it, you, you can shoot, into, by the way. You run, into a, you run into a really difficult situation if he can't shoot where like, yeah, we all kind of want him to roll more. And even in this context, he can roll more. I'm not saying he can't. He can. I uh, and there's more attacking that he can do. And there are decisions where, like, instead of pulling it out, instead of taking the contest, like, drive and make a play, all of that is true. However, I, there's a very hard ceiling and a low ceiling on an offense where Julius Randle can't shoot if he's playing with Mitchell Robinson. There's just, it's not going to be great. So it, it is a very difficult dilemma that Tibbs is in trying to figure this out. So, I, yes, I want, and we're going to pick up there and say, I just like, again, I, you know, you try to think of comps and like, again, hearing you talk about it. And I think we even brought this name up the last time where it's like, OK, well, like. Draymond Green is can doesn't want to shoot at all, and he plays some four uh, occasionally alongside a traditional five. Um, and like he's really good at rolling and then making that pass. But then again, Julius Randle on his best day will not be the passer. And the and he doesn't see the court in the way that Draymond process Green does. On, the process, process. Thank you. Thank you. Like the key to, to me is like he is a pretty good passer, but he's just not quick to figure it out. And Draymond is maybe the ideal oh, processor he, in the NBA. Yeah, right? I, yeah, I was about to say he might be he might be the best in the league. So it's like you try to think of these other and even like Giannis, like forget the stretch five for a second. He's a fucking alien in terms of what he's able to do and they still need a stretch five to make him effect truly effective right so or, or, I, I he get, can play, or he can play center in a pinch and protect the rim which, which he's played a lot this year obviously yeah and then you and you know when you go through other other as you said teams that that feature a true four um Demonis Sabonis you know kind of offensive hub guess who he plays alongside is, is Miles Turner. I mean, there, there, we, we could keep going down or the alternative is your good fours in the league are a guy like, you know, Miles Bridges, who is, is a, not only a shot creator can shoot. And like a lot of other fours can, can legitimately shoot. So it leaves us with, well, what do you do with Julius Randall? So let's go. Okay. Let's go to Tibbs. So your tips. Hi, Tom. How are you? How are you? How are you feeling this morning, Tom? 
I'm not going to do the impression like Andrew does. I'm not going to attempt it. I wouldn't even <laughs> attempt it. I, I, no. Um, yeah, he's he, Andrew. I will say this about Andrew. It doesn't like he'll give it a shot. He will give utmost respect for a man who will give it a shot. Yes, exactly. I'm, I am too much of a, a chicken to, to do so. Um, so I, for me, it comes all, it, it all starts with the fact that in Tim's mind, basketball is made easier when you can get two on the ball. Julius is the player who gets two on the ball the easiest. And I will continue going to that well because I fundamentally believe it is the it is the best well, and we will continue to try to figure out how to get water from that well because I don't believe that any other surrounding well is better. Tell me, I must be is that is that a good starting place, or should we start? Should we add some context? Should we go somewhere else? You tell me. I think that's the that's the main consideration, and I also like it's. Even Tibbs, who is probably has more autonomy than most head coaches in the league, um, it's not like your high school basketball team. Like it's not a meritocracy, and the guy just got paid a ton of money. Like I'm not saying that Tibbs plays him because he makes a ton of money. I am saying that any head coach who is trying to do the best thing for the organization has to play has to has to play the players that make sense in the context of the health of the organization right like Julius Randle makes the most money on the team you can't just like play him 20 minutes a game it's that's not a thing nobody does that there's no coach in the league that would do that like i just it's not yeah. a meritocracy there's other things that come into play once you get to come to professional basketball that i don't think a lot of people understand and yes I, th- I think basketball-wise, he believes that Julius Randle's the best play for him to win games. I also don't think that the other options that people throw out there are realistic. Um, I someone someone who I I trust reached out. I was talking a little bit about the situation earlier today, and they, you know, were like this front. Like Tibbs does not make any decision without like th- this is a group group think situation between Tibbs. And the yeah. front office, and I'm, I, I want to be very clear about this. I'm not saying that they always agree. I have no idea if they always agree. Maybe they fucking all hate each other. I literally, I, I don't know. But there is, there is no such thing as like Julius is going to, or uh, excuse me, Tibbs is going to go, you know, uh, out in uh, tomorrow Miami and play like you just said, Julius Randall twenty minutes, and that no one in the front office will have had any idea that that's coming. Like that's not a thing. That is going to happen. Like these are, there are conversations that are that are constantly happening about what goes on. What what that means, I again, I can't tell you. But like again, it's an organizational thing. And yes, Julius did get paid, and I think even more the fact that he that he got paid. Like again, I still have this stupid poster behind me. Like when you become, (laughs) he's looking at me every time. When you become, yeah, so he's not happy. You see that. That's basically his face all season. Actually, and that was during last year. It was good. Um, You know, I I just he became the face of the organization. Like I, I I know people don't want to hear that, or people don't want to think about it, or people are like that doesn't matter. It like it it matters. I don't know how else to say it. It it matters. Like that doesn't go away. Oh, oh, like you can't, you can't make that go. Like even if Tibbs wanted that to go away, he could make it go. Like you know, you know what I'm saying here. Yeah, and there's also equity. Like 
people like Tibbs came back last year and there was no like he wasn't coming off like a ton of success as an NBA coach in, in recent years. He was out of the league for several years. It ended badly in Minnesota. There was a lot of questions about what he could do with mod- in a modern setting and like figuring out modern NBA basketball. And you know what Julius Randle did? He put the team on his back and made him coach of the year. Like there's that's not you can't just like dismiss that either. Like I know it's been half a season. It's been rough. But like Bibbs, he's a loyal guy. Like he's not going to just throw that away and like, like, you know, tell Randall to get out of here. Like that's not, there's a lot of factors at play. And I, I don't think it's, I've been as frustrated with Julius Randall as anybody, but like there are reasons to, to and basketball and beyond basketball that kind of explain why he's still playing. And I, you know, the question is how many minutes does it have to be? And I think that's a very I, fair question. Yeah, <laughs> that's the I, real I, question is like, can it be five, six minutes less a game and not have any of the consequences? Yeah, yeah, probably could. And I think that's. I want to be very, very clear here. Like, I, you know, before we end, we could we could talk about the notion of like trading Randall. Does that make sense from an organizational point of view? I, I think that's an interesting question, but I think. Like yes, there is there a segment of people on on Nick's Twitter who would are would like not like they don't want Julius Randle to get off the bench. Like yes, that's again that's not going to happen as long as he is here on this team. I think that is exactly you nailed it. It's what what you're talking about is I think people would like to see five six minutes less 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 a game, and obviously Obi Toppin would get those minutes. So I mean, what would that look like? That would look like Julius playing thirty. Let's call it. And OB playing 18. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I could do 32 and 16. I wouldn't yeah. wouldn't drive me crazy. I, That's I think fine too. Again, I think 15 plus is a very fair ask. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. So let's again go back to Tibbs. Do we think that the reason that Tibbs is not doing that is more off the court related? Or do we think that is more on the court related? And if you're someone like me who continues at at my own peril in some of these post games to try out the notion that Tibbs is a very good NBA, not an elite NBA coach, but a very good NBA coach and a coach that New York should hang on to. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. And I guess maybe that's just because I've been scarred by too many watching too many teams who just didn't give a damn. And like this team say anything you want about them. Like they care. And he has guys playing hard and he has guys executing a system on defense. At least we could talk about the offense, but on defense, at least that like makes sense is repeatable. It works like the, the proof is in the pudding. Um, okay. So I went on a little tangent there. Anyway, let's, let's bring it back. So if it's, if it's a basketball reason that he is insisting on continuing to play Julius Randle, 38 to 40 minutes a night, well, 30, let's say 36 to, to close to 40. Um, that's where I think it gets interesting because essentially what you are doing there, I think if you're Tibbs is you're basically saying like, I don't, I don't care that he is struggling so much. I still think whatever version of him I am getting is better than the alternative. Right? Yeah. No, I think I, I, I do think that that extra five, six minutes is a basketball decision. I don't think that's motivated by the other stuff that we talked about. And I think 
it's a combination of what he thinks Julius can be, even if he hasn't been that for the vast majority of the season, and the fact that I don't think he trusts Obi Toppin. I mean, I, I don't know how you watch this team and the way the quick hook he has on Obi and think that he trusts Obi Toppin. He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't trust him. Um, he trusted him why, last night, we should say. He, let, he, let, he did leave him out there until... I think, it's, I think the sub was at the, I want to say the five thirty mark of the fourth, something like that. Yeah, which Long, is much longer than usual. Yeah, yeah. Now, granted, I think they were Obi was like kind of part of the comeback, and then when he subbed them out, it was whatever it was, a couple of possession game. But anyway, keep keep going. Yeah, no, I, and and I wonder how much of leaving him in there is just a matter of oh, he made three threes. Like this, t- Tibbs just seems to want him to be a stretch four. <laughs> Um, and until he is that consistently, um, I'm not, I just don't know. It doesn't seem like he has much of a pathway here. I, you know, I, I, his defense hasn't been great. OB, I think early, I thought early in the season, it was, it was really good. And I think it, I think he's made, um, but that said, it's like, I, 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 we, we could, well, I think you and I are, are generally Tibbs defenders. I don't think either of us are like necessarily comfortable with the way he's handled this platoon. Like Randall's defense is, has been worse than Obi's as a whole this season. Like, well, can we just can we stick there for a second? Because I think this is what gets under fan skin the most is Obi's mistakes are mistakes. Like there is never a second when Obi is on the floor defensively that he is not fully engaged, right? Can we agree with on that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. He's trying his butt off the whole time he's out there. There are are there moments where he will let's say fall asleep and give up a backdoor cut and I'm not like again, it's like a split second. That's all it takes in the NBA. It takes a split second, right? Yeah, those moments are there. Will he, you know, get bodied on a a, a defensive rebound? Um there was a moment last uh in the Cleveland game where Kevin Love had a, it was a little, a little welcome to the NBA moment where Obi was like, I'm going to get this rebound. And Kevin was like, no, you're not. Kevin Love is a boulder. I mean, he's yeah, one, that's when you like, and, and yeah. And, and you know, the contrast there is Randall who can move Kevin Love off his spot. Obi can't right. There's yeah. a difference. There. So there's a, there's a, there's a physicality issue there. Um, you know, and then there's other things like, again, he could, you know, late in the game. And this was my defense. Uh, for, why uh, I think when all the centers had fouled out or whatever against what was it Minnesota, why he brought Burks back instead of Obi. And again, feel free to disagree with me or I won't be offended in the least. I thought if he put Obi in that game, the Wolves would just hunt Obi on switches and just and look to draw fouls. Is that you think that's unfair? No, I don't think that's unfair. I also don't think it, I wasn't offended by that move. I just think. Obi hasn't played in enough of those games where if you're, again, if the only goal is to win the game and we can argue whether that's we're, the right goal, but if the we're only get goal to that, is to yeah. win the game, yeah. then you trust Burks in that spot more than you trust Obi Toppin. I think that's very yeah. fair. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My girlfriend is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about this sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So, so we've gone, so we got, we've gone over all that stuff with Randall on defense. It's, uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start. Um, again, there are moments where he plays really, not, I don't want to say really good defense. <sighs> he had a couple of possessions on Mobley last night that were awesome where he bodied him and got steals, but when he wants to, yeah. Well, so there you go. When he wants to. 
And that I think is if you're Tibbs and this is, this is the conversation I wanted to have with you. And again, not that any, either of us have the answer, but it's like, what do you do there when it's like on balance, who is the like safer player to have in the game at that point over the last, again, let's just use it. The last, let's say again, don't even say the last five and a half minutes of the Cleveland game. Let's say, you know, another, another two minutes or another three minutes. Like who's the safer player to have in the game there. It's, it's probably Randall, right? But because of the nature of the of Randall's mistakes, and I guess I'm just talking about on defense, which, but again, it's not just defense and it's on offense. And that's where the conversation gets really interesting because Julius Randall could do things on a basketball court right now that, that Obi Toppin can't, he just can't do. He's, he's not close to being able to do. But there is such a put on the table, take off the table dichotomy at this point with Randall. And and that's the part that I'm like fascinated about what what Tibbs thinks about. And like obviously he, he is concerned. How could he not be concerned? But like what do you what do you do if you're Tibbs? I don't know the answer. I really don't. I think the best way to find out what you have at, at least is to give I mean the amount of minutes that Obi plays regularly, let's say in like a 10 minute, eight to 10 minute range of times, you don't, you, you don't even find out what you're you not have. learning. And yeah, you, you know, like, and it's, and, and Obi's playing like a man who knows, and this happened last year for a stretch too. Like, like he just knows that one mistake on either end or a bad shot, and he's gone. And you, and you see Tibbs right away. Yeah. Like all that's my, one of my favorite moments is when Obi makes a mistake and you, and Tibbs, if, you, if they're on the same side of the court, you see, Obi, you see Tibbs yelling for Julius. Well, hold on. In fairness though, when Obi, I highlighted it in the newsletter, when Obi threw the pass that he shouldn't have thrown or he shouldn't have thrown too low him in after the timeout. Yeah. It, that led to the timeout. He kept him in for another two yeah. and a half minutes. He gave him a little high five on the way back to the bench. I'm like, look, I'm grasping his straws here. But like that to me shows that it, it's, it's not, I don't think it's all about like just the mistake, but so often the hook comes after a mistake, right. which is like, right. that can't be a coincidence. Um, no. Tibbs is also a coach that very much lives in the moment more than like, there was also a last night Grimes in the first half, Grimes first half stint. Um, he missed it. He took a step back jumper and he isolated a guy on the left wing. I don't remember who it was. Oh, I remember the bench. <laughs> I remember that. Step back long too. Missed it, and right away, as he's getting back on defense, you see Tibbs yell for Fournier. It's just great. I love that stuff. It's kind of funny. I mean, it was late in the half, so it was time for Fournier anyway. I don't yeah. know when he would come in, but he does kind of do those. It's not. A, it's not like it, it happens enough where it's like a thing that when Tibbs sees something he doesn't like, he just pulls a guy. Um, no, but, and, and but but that's where he gets this rep from of like, oh, if you're a veteran you could dick around and jump in the air and land and not pass the ball and turn it over. And you're going to get a second and third and fourth and fifth chance to do all that stuff. Whereas if you're a rookie, like it gets you pulled. And like, I, from that perspective, I sympathize with every fan who is really, really frustrated with Tibbs, but I'm just going to go back to, and again, I think this is really about random more than anybody else because we've seen him play Fournier I mean, last night. What, what did Fournier play last night? He played 20 minutes, right? To Grimes. Didn't come back in. Uh, didn't come Did, back in later. Yeah. yeah, and again, Grimes is a rookie. Evan Fournier is a guy you just paid seventy-eight million dollars to. So I, I don't want to hear that this is a fundamental. Tibbs doesn't like just will blanket. He favors veterans more than he gives you know the benefit of the doubt to young players. I think this is specifically a Randall 
slash Randall slash OB thing. Um, I hope I got yeah, that. How many times right last way. year did he finish with quickly over over Peyton? Uh, yeah. When, if quickly had it going, like he wasn't scared to do that if it was the right move on the on the specific night. Now whether Peyton should be playing at all, different question. But <laughs> uh, but he. Was, I, you know, I, he I, I, I there were other reasons for that. Yeah, I mean he rides a, a young player who's playing well. He's I mean he's I think he's all in on Quentin Grimes at this point. I mean he's yeah he I'm not sure how he couldn't be. But um oh he's so much no, fun. <laughs> yeah, it does it does seem to be a, a specific Randall Obi thing, and I I think. It goes back to kind of the offensive philosophy that you were talking about ultimately. And I do, and I think you saw a little bit when Ovi got some starts when Randall was out. Like, if you had a lineup late in a, in a late game situation of whatever, IQ, Grimes, um, RJ, Obi, and X Center, what shots are you getting? And how are you getting them? Um, and I think that's a very fair question to ask. Now, fans will respond. But let's see it. We haven't seen it. And I agree. But, well, that, you know, this is Tibbs' philosophy is it's a it's a every game I'm going to win at all costs. So if you want to see him trot out a young lineup for the sake of seeing what he has, that's just not really the coach that you hire. It's not. And, and you got the rewards of that last year. And I think even to some extent this year, because they've hung in, they've hung in despite, I mean, really poor performances by really important players. Um, two games so, under 500 when you look at like when you really go player by player even RJ who we're all in love with right now RJ has had a a, a 50th percentile outcome season would you say I don't 5% in either direction like if you put it all together yeah I think maybe it's teetering now above 50 but it maybe it was below it for much of the year and like you still have your two highest, highest shot, shot takers are extremely inefficient like overall like, uh, what's the, you know, like, and I, I mean, I tweeted about it today. They don't have a lot of high-end talent right now the way Julius Randle's playing. No. Like, I don't know what you want this team to look like, especially offensively. And again, I think they've performed admirably defensively for the for much of the season. What do you think this team can be offensively if Julius Randle can't shoot? And he can't shoot. <laughs> like, the whole offense was based on the there, fact that Julius Randle could make shots. <laughs> And everything worked to some extent because Julius Randle could make shots. Well, what happens when he literally cannot make shots? And, and, and by the way, you know who said that time and time and time and time again? Tom Thibodeau. Every other freaking press conference last year, he would say the shooting piece is huge. When he came back and he was able to shoot, he knew he admitted it to anybody who was willing to listen. He's like, the shooting piece was huge. That opens up so much for us. You know, and uh, yeah. So, okay. Um, I want to just close the loop on the, on the part of that, the part of the Randall discussion, then we'll get to RJ and like, what would that team look like without Randall? Um, Like, okay. So he keeps putting him in there in the hopes that like, you know, I, I don't know how I'll say this time will be different, right? Like this time he's not going to make the mistake that kills us. And this, and by the way, last night, let's just call a spade a spade. They um, were down two. They gave the ball to Julius Randle. Julius, I forget who he took off the dribble. He took someone off the dribble, and he bullied his way to the paint, and it was a tie game. Like, that was a Randle bucket that that was a... There's no one else on the Knicks who could get that bucket in that way, in the way Julius Randle did. And, like, I was ready to be like, okay, am I going to be talking post-game about how Julius Randle hasn't had the best game, but he came back in, like, after Obi Toppin did well and, like, finished strong. And then, of course, the rest of the game happens, and it's like, 
you know, so that's where I guess I, I don't think that Tibbs is completely insane. Uh, unlike a lot of people, what I, what I want to close the loop on the Randall discussion here with you is like the, the accountability criticism of people. And this gets back into the first thing we talked about, which is like trying to look into the headspace of Julius Randall. Like if you, if you're Tibbs and you're seeing all the stuff and like you you watch film, like, uh, everybody's seeing the same thing, right? Of like Julius just making play after play after play that like, I, I feel like nobody else on the team is doing any of this stuff. Like the, the egregious stuff. Like, what do you, if your Tibbs do, how do you, ha- I, again, I, I don't know the answer. How do you handle that? How do you create accountability with a player who almost set the tone for the organization last year? And now it's, I feel like it's flipped 180. Like, that's why I feel like this is such a difficult situation. Like, when does this happen? Yeah, it's an, I don't, I don't really have the answer. Like, I, I've asked myself the same question. I don't, you know, I, and this isn't a basketball question. This is like, how yeah, you, and it's, how, it's like, it's a, look, I, these are the kinds of questions where, like, you know, I'm trying to be humble about it. Like, I, I, I don't know Julius Randle personally. I don't know Tom Thibodeau personally. Like, I don't know what their relationship is like behind closed doors. Like, I don't know what conversation Tibbs can have with him or how honest or what conversations he is having with him. For all we know, yeah. Julius is in Tibbs' office every night going over film and he's yelling at it. I don't, like, we don't know. We don't, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. The only thing that we can see as fans or people analyzing the game, if we're not, if we don't have access to, to play interviews, which I, you know, I certainly don't, is playing time. That's all we can see or the interactions on the court that the coach and player have. Um, and, I think it's a very, very fair criticism based on that. My limited window into this relationship. Um, I think it's a very fair criticism to say, Hey, when Randall dogs it for three straight possessions or Randall looks totally lost on the floor, you can take him out with four minutes left in a quarter. He doesn't have to play the entire first and first and third quarters. It doesn't, it's not, there shouldn't be a rule that like seemingly can't get broken. Like I, and you know, that's a coach's greatest weapon. Will always be playing time, yeah. And you know, again, without knowing what Tibbs is saying to Randall off the floor, that's the best that I can see. Is like you want accountability. I think it's a fair criticism. Say, you know what? There hasn't been enough enough accountability because he he, he doesn't lower the playing time often. Um, even when even when Obi has a go, and to last night was almost an exception because he left Obi out there a little bit longer. Um, but I do, I, look, I, I, I sympathize with that critique and I, I think I agree with it is like at some point, um, if the guy is performing in a certain way and it's not the missed shots as much as it's the decision-making and the, the defensive issues that are clearly a result of his offensive struggles. Um, I think, yeah, you know, four minutes left in the second, four minutes left in the first quarter. All right, we're going to, we're going to go to Obi now and we'll see yeah. you back out there, you know? And this is where I too wonder about the unknown. Um, we haven't heard anything about it since, and there hasn't been any reporting. Although I kind of heard a little bit of it, like when Tib said Julius is nicked up. Well, how hurt is he? If he's really hurt, like I, th- th- then there's like so. Then why are you? Why are you pushing him as hard as you are if if he's hurt? Right? You know. Um, so that doesn't necessarily add up for me. And if it's, 
like to me, it, it's more just like Tibbs is this is a little bit of Tibbs sticking his head in the sand and being like, this is my this is my horse. And then the only other thing. And again, this is I have a I have a counter to this. If Tibbs is like, well, once once we open that door or once we once we let the genie out of that bottle, we can't put it back in. Like once Julius thinks that I don't have his back anymore, as, as warped as again, we're looking into the mind of Julius Randall who clearly there's some stuff going on. If Tibbs thinks that he can lose Julius even more, which, or like, I like, you can't, you can't go backwards on that. Like that once the ship is sailed, the ship is sailed. And then it's like, okay, well then you again, and this is what gets back to the, these, he is not making any decisions in a vacuum. These are organizational decisions. At that point, the organization kind of has to trade him. Or, or try to trade him, right? At least right now that 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 writing that writing may be on the wall, but it, it is it it's not like in bright neon lights. Yeah, yeah, and and you know the in terms of trading him, you know the one thing I'll say that this season has kind of taught you know this was an opportunity for Julius this season with a little bit more offensive talent around him. Um. Although you could argue if really Kemba's even provided that, but let's say I, right. I think it's fair to say there's a little bit more offensive talent around him, and he's there was clearly a focus on kind of changing his role a little bit, like the heavy DHOs, and you've seen it more this year than you did last season. This was an opportunity for him to show when this team gets a one A, yeah, I can be a really good two, and nothing about what he's done this year has shown that this this like this is the thing my my greatest hope for him this year was like we're going to see someone kind of accept just a little bit more movement a little bit more rolling a little bit more quick passing like he doesn't need to do all the iso stuff because i think we all expected some regression on the mid-range twos if if not this one because this has been drastic but some and that we can get better offense in other ways and the lack of processing, the unwillingness to move off ball at all. There is no cutting. There is no zero screening. There zero. Is none, there is none of that stuff. Like to me, that's the most disappointing part. It's not even the shooting regression because you could make this guy into a really, the hope was you could make this guy into a really good player, assuming he can be a respectable shooter and he can be hey. everything else that we wanted him to be. And the fact that he has failed to do those things just convinces me that like this is not the guy to put next to whoever the guy is. No, but and just that's the disappointing part to me. Do some quick math here. We talked about Julius as a non-shooter before. If you t- and I don't know exactly what his spot up numbers are this year, but I know if you took out all the nonsense shots that he takes, if that all that percentage needs to get up to is 34, 35%, something around there. If you put those numbers and he's the player that you just described with the offensive talent that was that's that's a offense that if you give me the defense that we know they're capable of playing, that's a that's a basketball team. That's a basketball team I could get behind and I could be excited about and I could say, okay, give me let's see where this goes. Winning a championship. No, we're not winning any championships, but I'm excited to watch them play every night. And by the way, something else you just noted on and you were like, well, they added more offensive talent, but and then you quickly took it back because you're like, Obviously thinking, well, Kemba hasn't played very well. Fournier hasn't played very well. I, and this is maybe me being a little bit of a hater on Julius. I'm going to say it anyway. I don't really give a shit. 
I think I put some of that on Julius too. I think there was a way for Julius to embrace those guys. If not with his actions off the court, then with his play on the court and no fucking wonder that Kemba and Fournier are out there looking like what, 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 what are we doing? What are we doing here? You know? And then, and then it goes to the other extreme where Kemba's like, okay, I'm just going to do my own thing since there's clearly nothing else happening here. That is even remotely resembling like synergy. So I put all of, maybe not all of that on Julius. I put a lot of that on Julius as well. I think that's fair. And I think Fournier has been, been fine. I think he's been slightly below what they signed up for, but I, I think not as far below as people seem to think. Like, I think he's been pretty good, especially in January. He's been pretty I mean, good. The numbers are what the numbers are. The numbers yeah, are his I mean, career he numbers. Shoot. He can really shoot. Defenses think, no, he can shoot. He provides that. I know he didn't shoot well in the second half. He shot terribly in the second half last night, but like he's been, you know, and, and with Kemba, it's like, I, I don't, his knees probably don't feel very good. Like I, <laughs> he can't play two games in a row. Like yeah. this is just, it's just a player that is unfortunately because of health reasons on the very, very severe downside. And I still think he can play and I still think he can have a role as a bench player, but he's not a starting point guard in the league anymore. And that's really a separate discussion. But like, as it pertains to Julius Randle, I still think the type of players that they are and what they can provide when they're out there and hell, even when he plays with quickly, whoever he plays with. I was about like, to say there there are other guys on this team besides just, those guys. It's it's just the same, and, and there have been flashes where like I'm like ah there it is like second half Minnesota, he's rolling, he's offensive rebounding, he's playing physically, he's engaged on defense like that's the guy. But it's been so rare, or like he gets his pace up a little bit. There are like clearly times, or, or like like individual games where going in, someone said to him, "Hey man, pick up the pace when you get a rebound, go." And like he'll all of a sudden like three possessions in a row rebound and get a head steam down court and throw a nice little he'll like run a little like impromptu screen and roll like in transition and find a guy with a through legs pass for a three like that's the kind of stuff I want to see all the time like just be a facilitator first be a downhill facilitator because you can be good at that um, but he's too often resorted to what he does. And I, I do put some of that on Tibbs as well because enough of the freaking mid post ISOs that you're calling, you're calling out of timeouts. Yeah. Like enough. Like it's not a good possession anymore. And that's you're make the shots. And that's like, the enabling. Yeah. That's the enabling. And that to me is the evidence that Tibbs is just putting his head in the sand to a certain extent and being like, look, this is what my guy wants to do. And I think the best way to get my guy right is to basically like, I mean, look, we're all like, we're dancing around it. He thinks that if he keeps giving in, it's going to help turn it around. And we're 48 games in and Tibbs giving in is not turning it around. It's do if anything, it's getting worse. I would argue um, a couple other quick things before I let you go. You've been on here for a while. Um, the RJ, let's see what it looks like, right? Um, an RJ centric lineup with, with whoever you want to put out there. I I think RJ, what we've seen over the last three or four weeks, him really finding ways to get downhill that I don't know that he's found as easily previously. And I understand some of it's matchup stuff, but like I feel like we're in a pretty good place now where we could not every not every time down the court and like there are ways you can like get him at I'll be curious how he looks against Miami. Um that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I, I, well, that I mean, you want to talk about a test? That'll be a test. But like, pretty consistently, like RJ is like, okay, I, I I can get to the basket and I can get a pretty good look up or get a pass off or something. 
but again, if that's your offense and that's your number, that's the foundation of your offense. That's the number one option. I, 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 I you know, what are you going to be now? If you give him Derrick Rose next to him or a guard of that ilk, um, I'm a little bit more interested. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think he can. Um, I think he's getting better as a pick and roll player, and I like that he started to mix in. Man, when he attacks a switch, it's not pretty. It's not he can't blow by anybody on a switch, but he has enough pivots and 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 strength where he can kind of find a shot that's a pretty good shot. I've seen that more and more since the new year which I love because that's an important thing that you can counter, you can counter a switching defense when they're not dropping and you can't just get that little, you know, that Mm -hmm. little pocket of space on the pick and roll and either get your lob or get your layup. Like when they're just going to switch, you need to be able to counter. And he's starting to show that a little bit more, which is very important. Um, If that's your, like your, your main offense, you're going to have a bad offense right now. I mean, it is what it is. (laughs) <laughs> and we should say, by the way, his effective field goal percentage since January 1st, which is 51 point something. I looked it up today, which is which is good. It's like a, for a high usage guy, that's like that's it's really nice. A lot of that number is high because of the threes, which have rebounded. And he's still taking like, I don't know what the percentage is since January 1st. I, more than 90 percent of his threes are just, you know, assisted, like kind of sure. just stand there, catch and shoot. Yeah, and and I I I I do think that I like what they've done with him in the sense that they've allowed him to expand his game, and I don't ever see Tibbs give him hell for taking a pull up two or a fadeaway or it's good like, development. He's encouraged. He's the one guy. I don't think quickly too. Pretty much has free reign. Although Tibbs yeah. will get mad at quickly, but but RJ like has has is allowed to experiment, allowed to expand, even when it's not the best shot. Um, and that's, that's really good, but yeah, around the rim, it's a struggle. It's going to be a struggle. And I will say it's another guy who would benefit. There's unquestionably would benefit by a good pick and pop center. I mean, imagine if he played with Vooch, no. he just throw a name out there <laughs> and like, yeah. imagine how Mitch guards, you know, or like, you know, if you have to respect that pop and, and, and the guy, the rim protection is no longer a center, but it's a wing that has to play down. Um, on rotation like that changes your life that'll change rj's life and like if julius and rj and i keep going back to this but if julius and rj are your guys going forward two of your guys going forward i can't stress enough how important i think it is that you find a center who can give those guys some space because neither is an elite finisher but both are excellent at getting to the rim yeah so you have to help them out so play to their strengths let them get to the rim but when they get there there's no longer a seven footer there that changes your life. That changes well, your life. Both those guys. I think Mitch helps in a, a drastically different way in that you're you're drawing the attention of the center and Mitch Robinson. No doubt. Is, yeah, Mitch is a different world than Nerlens, no doubt. Uh, Mitch but, might be he might be off uh, offensive rebounding the ball. I, maybe not better than anybody in the league right now, but like most comebacks in the league. I just looked at most comebacks yeah. in the league. He, he was tied with with Valanciunas as recently as two days ago, is when I checked. He's been a when, you're, when, when you're tied with Valanciunas on that in that set, that's that's pretty damn good. Um, 
Yeah, you know, 100%. Uh, it's why, obviously, they were in on Turner. I I mean, shit, I wouldn't even be shocked if they still traded for Turner. Maybe they view this as a way to get him. Yeah, maybe they view it as a way to get him a little cheaper. I don't I don't know if that can be the case, but um, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I agree 100 um, percent. I, I do. I, I still just from the perspective of having another playmaker out there. So RJ, again, in, a, in an imaginary world where Julius Randle isn't on this team, having a, you know, just a dynamic guard to do stuff as well, I think would be cool. Um, last thing uh, I got you out here um, is. Again, just because it's going to be talked about from now until the deadline, the concept of trading Julius Randle. I don't think that there's a deal out there for him. I'm going to have something a little bit later in the week, you know, kind of bullshitting about, uh, you know, a, a Jules for for Fox trade. And like, does either team make that? And like, what would be the wisdom of that for for the Knicks, for the Kings? Like, what else would the Kings want? All that kind of stuff. Um, I just. I don't see a deal. But just theoretically, if you could get him out of here and get like a, not a star, but if you could just get like a solid, like again, the one I always go back to is like if the Kings were like, fine, we'll give you Harrison Barnes and maybe a menial asset or something in addition to that. Like I'm at the point where I would do it for all the reasons that we've talked about. Would would you? Yeah. Yeah. And primarily for the reason I, I spoke about a little bit earlier, which is, I I don't have any evidence that this is a guy, if we ever get to where we want to get to, that he's going to be your Chris Bosch, your Anthony Davis, your, your secondary or even tertiary guy, depending on how much talent you can bring in, that really um, amplifies what you do. Um, that's what I really wanted out of this year, more than anything else, is I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, maybe an RJ, RJ growth. But I wanted to see a guy that, proved that he could complement superior talent, connect from one play to another, connect from one player to another. Um, and he just doesn't seem to have that in it. So, or at least not consistently enough. So yes, I would, I would do it assuming it's not like really damaging money on the other end. I honestly, the money that's out there, I mean, like, you know, this guy makes like twice as much salary as him. So there's, it wouldn't happen, but like, and it, uh, the Lakers wouldn't do it, but like to get like an equally damaging player back, like Russell Westbrook, I want nowhere near this team. No, or something. Like, no, so like, no, so yeah, well, they, they're not obviously going to do that, but you know, but something like <laughs> that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I can even watch the games at that. If they ever traded for <laughs> Russell Westbrook, um, my one saving grace that they haven't done that yet. Um, you know, but like, I don't know, like I, I know all the salaries of all the players, like in his range. And it's like, you, you look up and down, there's not a ton of money there that I'm like, you know, even like what's the worst money out there in the league right now? Is it, is it Tobias Harris? Okay. Tobias Harris is a pretty frustrating player at times. He's obviously not shooting it well from three this year. He's very imperfect, but like Tobias Harris does a lot of stuff that helps you win. You know, um, I like it, would I do that deal? I, I, I'd have to think about it. Right. You know, um, CJ McCollum makes a lot of money in Portland. You know, it's like it's six foot guard that needs to play shooting guard and like is on the wrong side of 30. And it's like, yeah, it's not what you want. But again, these are the, if I don't know, I don't know. I mean, Harrison Barnes is, is kind of, I feel like the right idea where Barnes like, is I, the guy I've, I've ever since Jeremy brought like up this will help freaking, you. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to do the stuff that Randall can do. He's not going to draw no. two. He's not going to, 
create advantages much, but he'll take advantage of advantages if you can create them for him. And he's a good defender and he's solid and he can play the three and the four and all, you know, yeah. Like, like, I, and it goes, it goes to what the season becomes, it should be about from here on out, which we haven't really touched on, but like, yeah, that we should, that's where we should tell finish. me that they should play young, just go young now and, and do that and, and maybe creep a little bit more towards the lottery. I can't tell you that's the wrong approach at all, especially because the veterans aren't playing that well. So like, I don't like think they're the, going to win as many games. I don't. Like, I, know I don't either. I, I don't. But yeah. does that matter so much? Between the 10th and the 11th and the 12th seed? No, it doesn't really matter. And it's just not Tibbs. So you're going to have to force his hand a bit if you that's, want that to happen. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing is everybody who's like, you got to trade Burks or you got to trade, uh, you know, well, I guess Burks is the most popular. Name. Like, because you know Tibbs can't help himself. Like the guy you want to trade because Tibbs can't help himself is Julius Randle, and <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah. and I just, uh, I man, I, I've been saying it a few times. I would just, I would be, I don't even care if they do trade him. If I knew that the front office was like secretly. Just like men, I we're we're gonna try. We're gonna try to move him. We want to move him. If I knew that that was their mentality, I would sleep so much easier at night. But I'm I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. So, I yeah, guess. on the other side, maybe maybe he starts making some shots. Who knows? Maybe this is the regression, and he's gonna progress to the mean uh, for the rest of the season. It's not impossible. Um, I don't really see it, but it's not probably impossible. And if he makes shots, a lot of this gets solved which is just the reality of basketball. And a lot of it gets solved if he starts making threes. And, and then I think... Because well, he, he starts, he starts playing with more confidence and yeah. it injects itself I mean, into look, he took a shot. He took a shot last night, that mid-range shot late in the game. That was... He got a good look. He got a good separation. Like, last year, he just makes that. Like, he just mm-hmm. makes it. Going yeah. to his right at the foul line, like, that was a shot. Like, he didn't miss that last year. It's like, he doesn't uh-huh. make it this year. It's like... Sometimes it does come down to that, and you know that's uh, if he may, starts making those again with some with some frequency, then I think that's the key. That's the number one key of everything else to turning this around. So we'll see. Think about the the baseline jumper. He hit felt like three or four of those a game. Yeah. I don't remember the, when's the last time he's hit one of those. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's 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 insane. Nope. I, yeah, I agree with you. It turns a lot of the other stuff around. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll continue to hope for the best. Uh, Benji, you're, I, I said it before we went on air. I'll say it again now. You've been just absolutely killing it. I look forward to your threads. Um, every time you put one out, um, everything about your Twitter feed is like you might. It, it's just it makes me happy. Uh, <laughs> even though this, even though this team does not always make me happy. Um, could you just uh, remind the good folks at home where they could find you? Sure. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. It's um, at Ben Riddles NBA. Um, Check me out there. I'll have an article out soon. I hope for the Strickland, maybe the next couple of weeks. We'll keep an eye out for that. Um, and otherwise, yeah, Nick's Film Thread on Nick's Film School uh, on Nick's Film School feed comes out basically after every game, unless I was too depressed like today and didn't get one out. But generally, they're out after every game. I don't blame you. <laughs> Not one bit. Uh, yeah, and and John, I appreciate you having me on. As always, it was a blast. Uh, Thank you. Come on, man. This is I I, I um. People say like my post games are therapy for them. This is like my therapy because I get to pick your brain, which is a lot smarter than mine. So it it, it makes me it makes things clearer, which is good. Clarity of thought is a good thing. Um, maybe they'll get a win in Miami. Who knows? <laughs> mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> that was convincing. 
Okay, that was my conversation with Ben Ridholtz. Ben is awesome. I just want to say that again. Uh, if you're not following him on Twitter, please change that. He's a really good follow. He is a really smart basketball mind. I We are so lucky to have him doing stuff for us here at Nick's Film School. Um, yeah, I hope you got a lot out of that conversation. I know I did. Um, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the show. And of course, we will be back for more fun and games before you know it. Peace out. Peace out.